0: Well, my favorite lines in that song describe those people listening in. The song was written by Leonard Cohen. He says, I saw a beggar leaning on a wooden crutch. He cried out to me, why do you ask for so much? Hmm. Then I saw a pretty woman standing in that darkened door. She said, hey, why not ask for more? Well, that song kind of describes the dilemma of life. We're constantly torn between why do you ask for so much and why not ask for more? (laughs) ¶¶
1: Welcome to Starve the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our co host leadership correspondent is Jonathan Harrison from johndharrison.com. Hi, Jonathan. How's it going, Jared? John, we're fortunate today to be joined by Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. Dr. Goldsmith is the million selling author or editor of 32 books, including the New York Times and Wall Street Journal's bestsellers, Mojo and What Got You Here Won't Get You There. His books have been translated into 28 languages and become bestsellers in 10 countries. Recognized by Businessweek, The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, and by the Institute of Management Studies by their Lifetime Achievement Award, one of only two ever awarded. His work has been recognized by almost every professional organization in his field. Over 300 of his articles, interviews, columns, and videos are available online at marshallgoldsmith.com for viewing and sharing. Please welcome to the show Dr. Marshall Goldsmith.
0: Happy to be here.
1: Dr. Goldsmith, the first question we'd like to ask everybody that we have on the show is, what is the best concert that you have ever been to?
0: When I was in the 60s, it was probably the Moody Blues. When I've grown older,
2: it's probably Elton John. Excellent. Love the Moody Blues. A big fan. I would love to ask you a little bit about your book, Mojo, how to get it back if you lose it. I love the title. I think it's really interesting. Could you tell us a little bit about what Mojo is?
0: Mojo is that positive spirit toward what you're doing now that starts on the inside and radiates to the outside. It's something you see every day as you wander through life. You see it in the flight attendant, you see it at the hotel, the waiter, you see it with the CEO.
1: Dr. Goldsmith, one of the big themes for this podcast is overcoming self-doubt. How does overcoming self-doubt tie into the concept of Mojo?
0: Oh, it ties in a lot. Because self-doubt is one of the things that can inhibit our mojo. I'm a Buddhist, and there are many schools of Buddhist thought. My school of Buddhism is quite simple. This is heaven. This is hell. This is nirvana. It's not on the outside. It's all on the inside. The essence of life is learn to find happiness and contentment now. Not next week, not next month, not next year. The Great Western disease, which ties into self-doubt, I'll be happy when. When I get that money, status, BMW, condominium, well, we all have the same win good learning point from Buddhism is, quit waiting for when, learn to be happy now.
1: What are some of the common ways that you see individuals kill their own mojo? Well,
0: I think one way we kill our own mojo is we become too focused in life on what we cannot change. And when we do that, we don't really achieve what we can change. Most of our anger, frustration, angst in life comes from things we can't control anyway. I think very important as we wander on this journey to life to ask ourselves what can I control, and what I can't control. What I can control, I can go out and try to change. What I can't control, I just need to learn to take a deep breath and make peace with it.
2: Sounds really uh, empowering. Uh, I think it's a life changing idea. I'm a big fan. I, I believe all of us have great life changing experiences and stories and ideas. Would you be willing to share with us a little story about an idea that has changed your life personally? Well. I'd be happy to share a couple. One is I
0: went to Africa when they had the Great Famine campaign of 1984. And I was there for nine days. I was with the Red Cross. It was taped on NBC News. It was on TV every week and uh, every day for a week. And I watched a lot of people starve to death. I have a picture in my library, and the picture is of me back when I was in Africa. And I'm sitting next to a woman, and she's measuring the arms of children. And they only fed children between the ages of 2 and 16 because they didn't have enough food. So if you're over 16 or under 2, you got to die. And she'd measure your arms. And if the arm was too little, she'd go, well, going to die anyway. You go over there. Arm is too big, not hungry enough. Go over there. Arms in the middle, you get food. In the picture, I'm looking at the camera trying to send myself a message. It's the me then looking at the me now trying to say, be happy with what you have. Your kid's not in this line. You're not in this line. Be happy. Life is good.
1: You mentioned you had a few life changing stories. Would you be willing to share another?
0: Sure. I, a couple of things. Uh, how did I get into my business of executive education purely by accident? I met a very famous man, Dr. Paul Hersey. He was kind enough to let me follow him around. So I followed him around, tried to learn kind of to do what he did. And one day he got double booked. He said, Can you do what I do? I said, I don't know. Maybe. He said, Look, I need help. Can you do this? I said, I don't know. He said, I'll pay $1,000 for one day. I was making $15,000 a year. His college professor. I said, well, I'll try. So I did this program for the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company. They were very pissed off when I showed up, but I got ranked first place of all the speakers. So they called him back and said, hey, this guy Marshall's good. Send him back. He said, do you want to do this again? I said, Paul, you're paying me a thousand bucks a day. I'm making 15,000 bucks a year. I'll do this anytime you want to. Now you have to realize that was 36 years ago. Mm-hmm. I was 28 years old. A thousand dollars for one day was just a ridiculous amount of money. Well, that's how I got into executive education.
1: No turning back.
0: A lot of life is luck.
1: (laughs) Okay, let's go there for a moment, Dr. Goldsmith. For the listeners who are wanting to get lucky, what advice do you have for them?
0: Well, as we wander through life, if you want to get lucky, there are two Roman goddesses that kind of deal with this. One goddess is the goddess called Fortuna. Fortuna was the goddess of luck, good fortune, fate. She was blindfolded, and she carried around a cornucopia, and she tossed coins She had a cornucopia filled with golden coins. The coins represented blessings. So she tosses these blessings around randomly to people. She also has a wheel she would spin. The wheel was called the Wheel of Fortuna. As You realize when you read this, nothing has ever changed. And the wheel determines your fate. Fortuna represents fate, random chance, or luck. There was another goddess called Disciplina. Disciplina represents hard work, discipline, education, and trying. Well, in life, you're probably not going to do anything to influence Fortuna because random chance luck is, by definition, random chance and luck. What you can do, though, is do your best with disciplina so that when you do have a good break, you have the discipline to take care of it. So you can't necessarily influence luck, but you can influence discipline. The other thing is, in life, there's a great philosophical debate over the years between determinism and free will or choice. Well, I believe in something that's called reciprocal determinism. What does that mean? I create the world, and at the same time, the world is creating me. A lot of our life, we have no control over. It is deterministic. You're how old, you're how old. You're how tall, you're how tall. Your genes are your genes. And everything that happened in your past happened, there's absolutely zero you're going to do to change it. The key is make peace with what you can't change. And then say, moving forward, here are the cards I've been dealt. Choice is one thing how do I play the cards? Determinism, the cards. Choice, how I play the cards. There's nothing we can do with the cards. We've been dealt the cards we've been dealt. The question now is, how do I play the cards? And the one thing in life we have control over, how do I play the cards?
1: You mentioned going to Africa, and and that makes me think, you know, they didn't get control of their cards that they have. So I guess what encouragement would you offer to someone who listens to this and feels like maybe they don't have the best deck?
0: Well, you may not have the best deck, but nobody listening to this got that deck.
1: Right. You're right. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, let me give you the ongoing balance between this. There's a great song called Bird on the Wire. Do you know that song? I do. Like a bird on the wire. Well, my favorite (laughs) lines in that song describe those people listening in. The song was written by Leonard Cohen. He says, I saw a beggar leaning on a wooden crutch. He cried out to me, Why do you ask for so much? Hmm. Then I saw a pretty woman standing in that darkened door. She said, Hey, why not ask for more? Well, that song kind of describes the dilemma of life. We're constantly torn between why do you ask for so much and why not ask for more?
1: Dr. Goldsmith, you're also well known for your book, What Got You Here, Won't Get You There, which is a New York Times bestseller, Wall Street Journal number one business book. It was translated into 28 languages and a listed bestseller in seven countries. As individuals grow in their career, what often can hold them back are their behaviors. How can individuals who have not yet achieved a high level of success protect themselves today against this pitfall?
0: Well, as we get promoted into management, and when we're at the lower levels of an organization, we really need to win. But the higher up we go, the more we need to let others win and quit winning ourselves. For the great achiever, it's all about me. For the great leader, it's all about them. And this is a very difficult transition. Hence the title, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. One of the challenges in life with people who are successful is we try to win too much. Now I'm going to give you a case study of winning too much, and we'll even see how you two guys did on the case study. You probably failed. Are you ready for the case study? You want to go to dinner at restaurant X. Your wife, partner, friend, significant other wants to go to dinner at restaurant Y. you heated argument. You go to restaurant Y food tastes awful. The service is terrible. Option A, critique the food. Point out our partner was wrong. This mistake could have been avoided had only you listened to me, me, me. Option B, shut up. Eat the stupid food. Try to enjoy it and have a nice evening. What would I do? What should I do? Almost all my clients would, what would I do? Critique the food. What should I do? Shut up. Well, it's kind of hard just to shut up. Have you ever critiqued the food before?
1: I'm guilty of critiquing the food. And
0: was that smart or stupid?
1: <laughs> well, I have a beautiful wife, so yeah, I, I want to enjoy every moment good. with her.
0: <laughs> <It was.
2: laughs> I'm soaking this all in. It's actually uh, my wife and I's 11th anniversary, and uh, dinner is in my immediate future, so I, I'm
0: taking notes here. Yeah, very good. Now, now, okay, you two guys, we're going to practice some of the things I teach in my book. I'm going to ask you all some questions. So you thought you were going to interview me. You didn't know I was going to interview you. Are you ready? Let's do it. Do you think customer satisfaction is important, yes or no?
1: I believe that it is.
0: Should we ask our customers for input about how we can do better?
1: I think that's important. Should we
0: listen to our good customers? Yes. Learn from these good customers. Absolutely. And get better based on what we learned. Yes. yes. Have you been asking your wife, what can I do to be a better partner in this relationship?
1: Not often <laughs> enough.
0: Yeah, not enough, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's more important? Those customers don't don't even know your name or your yeah. wife. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to go home and Total ask set. your wife, what can I do to be a better partner? Hmm. And then your wife will ask you a question. Who have you been sleeping with? <laughs>
1: well, I hope not. <laughs> but... <laughs>
0: Uh, so, you see, this stuff is all easy to teach.
2: It's just hard to live. Certainly. Wow. Well, <laughs> I think I might uh, have some, another goal to add here. I wanted to ask you about goal setting because we're kind of new in the year and there's so many people talking about it. It's a it's big thing to do in January is all these resolutions and, and so forth and goals. But uh, I read where you talked a little bit about the danger of goal obsession. And I want to know, from your perspective, what danger do you see even some very successful people falling into uh, with that
0: approach? Goal obsession is when we become so obsessed with our goal that we can even forget our mission. Let's say, uh, well, you've got some emails you need to take care of. You become so obsessed with taking care of the emails, your kid comes in and says, Daddy, I want to talk to you about something. You snap at your kid. Your goal, completing an email, becomes more important than a much more important mission being a good father. I've asked thousands of parents to ask their children, "How can I be a better parent?" Number one comment for kid is, "Don't do that, don't do that, the uh, cell phone, while you're talking to me." It's such a bad message to the child. So I think very important before we just try to achieve our goal to ask a question: Is it worth it? One of my good coaching clients retired a few years ago. His name is J. P. Garnier with Co. GlaxoSmithKline. I said, what'd you learn about leadership as the CEO of this big company? You know what he said? My suggestions become orders. If they're smart, they're orders, and if they're stupid, they're orders, and if I want them to be orders, they're orders, and if I don't, they're orders anyway. I asked him, what'd you learn from me when I was your coach? He said, you taught me one lesson to help me be a better CEO. and Have a happier life. I asked him, what was that lesson? He said, before I speak, stop and breathe. And ask asked myself one question. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And he said, as the CEO of this huge company, 50% of the time, if I'd stop and breathe before I speak and ask myself, is it worth it? What did I decide? Am I right? Maybe. Is it worth it? No.
1: Dr. Goldsmith, for those who are looking to unlock their potential because they believe it's worth it, what would you recommend they start?
0: I'm going to give you, you mentioned goal setting. I'm going to answer kind of two questions. at One, it'll help them achieve their goals in a positive way and it'll help them unlock their potential. I'm gonna share a technique with you right now. It takes about two minutes a day to execute. It will help the listener get better at almost anything, and it costs nothing. Yeah, you're probably a little skeptical right now, thinking, wait a minute. Two minutes a day costs nothing? That sounds too good to be true. I'll also predict about half the people that start out doing this will quit in two weeks. Not because it does not work. People quit because it does work. Now this is called a daily question process here's how it works. You get out an Excel spreadsheet and on one column, you write down a list of questions. And then every question, seven boxes across, one for every day of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every question is answered with a yes a no or a number. Then all you have to do is write down yes is a uh, one and no is a zero or a number. Write down what the number is. And then at the end of the week, the Excel spreadsheet will automatically answer your questions. For example, question for me is, uh, did I do my best to be happy yesterday? Did I do my best to find meaning? Did I do my best to be engaged in what I was doing? Did I say or do something nice for my wife or my son or my daughter? How much do I weigh? Questions about exercise, diet, health. How many minutes did I write? Family. You can write down any questions you want. Well, when you do this every day, you find you get better at almost anything because it keeps it in your mind. It reminds you every day to do it. How many push-ups did I do? How many sit-ups did I do? Every day. It keeps it in your mind, and you're much more likely to do it. Now, this is very easy to understand. I want both of you guys to try it. You know what you're going to find out? It's hard to do. By the way, if any of your listeners would like all of my questions, send me an email, Marshall at marshallgoldsmith.com. I'll send you an article about the process, and I'll send you all of my questions. But the idea is my questions aren't intended to be your questions. The idea is you write your own questions every day and evaluate yourself on those questions. Why is it hard to do? Because it's humbling. Every company has these values plaques they put on the wall where they use these fancy words, you know, people and quality and customer and integrity and stuff. That's all talk. If you do this every day and you look at those scores at the end of the week, they're seldom as pretty as the words up on the charts.
2: And you realize values are very easy to talk.
0: They're just difficult to live.
2: I know a lot of your background is with uh, this sort of work and and even approaching leaders one on one with coaching. And and I know I've spoken with a lot of my peers, and and many of them have been curious about getting started with uh, seeking out a personal coach, but they're not really Mm. sure where to begin. I'm curious, from your perspective, what advice would you offer someone who has not engaged services of a coach yet but is looking to do so? What should they be looking for in a professional coach?
0: First, don't tell the coach what your problem is. Ask the coach what the coach does best. See, the problem is there are too many coaches. If you go to the coach and say, I need help with strategy, they'll probably say, oh, I can help you with strategy. If you go to the coach and say, what do you do best, then if what they do best is not exactly what you need, you're probably talking to the wrong coach. And by the way, if what you do best is number five on the list, you're talking to the wrong coach. Then once the coach says what they do best, assuming it matches what you need, ask them for some referrals. Like okay, who have you worked with that I could talk to that can share with me what you did now works.
1: Well said, Dr. Goldsmith. We really appreciate you taking time to chat with us today. What is the best place for the listeners to stay connected with everything that you're doing online and enjoy your articles and pick up some of your books?
0: Well, online, it's just go to name, Marshall. Marshall has two L's, I'm a Buddhist. I give everything away. All my material you may copy, share, download, duplicate, use in church, use in charity, use in your nonprofit, use in business, use any way you want to use it. I've got hundreds of videos, articles, all kinds of stuff online it's available for free. Then if you want to send me an email, Marshall at MarshallGoldsmith.com. Send me an email I'm always happy to get back to people that may not get back to you immediately but I always get back to you eventually.
1: Well you've been very generous to get back with us and we're grateful for that. Do you have any final thoughts for the listeners?
0: I'll give you my best coaching advice in the world. Are you ready? Absolutely. For all your listeners take a deep breath. (sighs) Take a deeper breath. (gasps) I want you to imagine you're 95 years old and you're just getting ready to die. You're on that deathbed. Here comes your last breath. But right before you take that breath, you give it a beautiful gift, the ability to go back in time, the ability to go back in time and talk to the person in this room, the ability to talk to that person that's listening to me right now, the ability to help that person be a better professional, much more important, the ability to help that person have a better life. What advice would the wise 95-year-old you, who knows what mattered in life and what didn't and what counts and what didn't, what advice would that old person have for the you that's listening to me right now? Well, take a deep breath and think for a second. Whatever you're thinking now, do that. In terms of performance appraisals, that's the only one that's going to matter. Some friends of mine interviewed all folks who were dying and got to ask this question. What advice would you have? Three themes came up in the advice from old people facing death. Theme number one could be summarized in three words. Be happy now. Not next week, not next month, not next year. That great Western disease, I'll be happy when. We all get the same win. Learning point from old people. I had everything. I just never took the time to see it. I was so busy chasing what I did not have, I couldn't see what I did have when I had everything. Learning point number two from old people, friends and family. I'm sure many of you work in nice companies when you're ninety five on your deathbed. None of your coworkers are waving goodbye. You realize these friends and family matter. And number three, if you have a dream, go for it. Because if you don't when you're thirty five, you might not when you're eighty five. Mm. We seldom regret the risks we took and failed. We always regret the risks we failed to take. And finally, I enjoyed working with all of you, so thank you very much.
1: Doctor Goldsmith, Jonathan and I just greatly appreciate your time and we feel like it was definitely worth it.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, okay, you two guys, we're going to practice some of the things I teach in my book. I'm going to ask you all some questions. So you thought you were going to interview me. You didn't know I was going to interview you. Are you ready? Let's do it. Do you think customer satisfaction is important? Yes or no?
1: I believe that it is.
0: Should we ask our customers for input about how we can do better?
1: I think that's important. Should we
0: listen to our good customers? Yes. Learn from these good customers. Absolutely. And get better based on what we learned. Yes. Yes. Have you been asking your wife, what can I do to be a better partner in this relationship?
1: Not often (laughs) enough. Yeah,
0: not enough. That's (laughs) for (laughs) sure. Well, who's more important? Those customers don't, don't even know your name or your wife.